Good morning. This is Brian Butts. Boy, you missed me for two weeks, I bet. I hope. I hope you missed me. I missed you. Wait. Yeah, I was gone for two weeks. You've been gone for two weeks? I was gone uh, two weeks ago. I think this is like <coughs> faith over and, breakfast. And then last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, I was gone. Yeah. But you didn't miss me. <laughs> Probably not. We missed okay. you. We were we were a little worried. A little bit. A little bit. Not enough to call. But this is faith over breakfast. <laughs> <We text> <laughs> Uh, You're a millennial. You don't answer your phone. Oh, well, let's no. I'm gonna look at this. Did we text? text? No, no, you didn't. No, no we texted. Wait, 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 wait. Nobody can see this. This is. A, wait, uh, so this yeah. is, this I'm is a pretty podcast. sure we did. I'm gonna get outnumbered in the witness What's the point? What's the point of that proving something visual right now on a podcast? It's not gonna work. No, I just trust that you both would be honest after reading these messages to say, "Hey, well, well, well." Brian does that. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say this is faith no, over breakfast I'm, at hey, Exo Coffee. Yes, Are you back? Yes, I am. So this is. I am the host, uh, but it, it doesn't matter. What does matter that we have Pastor Andy Littleton and Pastor Eric Seepin again. Thank goodness they're both here. <laughs> and this is Faith Over Breakfast. We talk about faith. Over and we breakfast. both have breakfast. And, 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 and Eric and does have breakfast. <laughs> yes. Well, let's be honest. I get up early. I drive to the bagel shop. I sit and pray and eat my bagel and drink my first cup of coffee. Mm. Then I drive over here. I got a little of my sermon. Put together, so yeah, you know. that's a great way to start your day. Yeah, I sleep longer <laughs> now that we meet a little bit later, and then I come straight here. Right, that's I know far less. Isn't that a disappointment <laughs> as a pastor that I don't pray for hours in the early watches of the morning before faith over breakfast, like Eric? I mean, there are a lot of well, pastors I mean, some of that comes with age. Yeah, like I'm, I am a, like know, ten Lord, years older. please help my brain kick yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I, I need. There's a whole. I don't have that youngness anymore. Is that I mean, how look it, how bright he is. Is that how it works? Cheery. Me? No. Oh, Brian. Brian. I mean, he's, <laughs> yeah, well, I've been up all night. I'm yeah. on my third wind, probably. Yeah. Uh, I went for a run this morning after. Well, during work, they have us doing some training during work. But uh, went for a run and did like. 80 push-ups, 80 sit-ups, and 40 pull-ups. Oh, man. Let's, let's, oh, don't uh, touch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't let me touch the guns. That's... Yeah, because they're very small, and they barely made it. <laughs> I was far behind everyone 80, else. 80 push-ups? No, the, push, the pull-ups are what gets me. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I did this past PT test, and I did, like, 60 push-ups in a minute, so... Eric and I, when we talk about it, it's the pull-ups that almost get us. It's, you know, the adult diapers we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, I could do a pull-up with one arm. It's all the push-ups that are difficult. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I feel like the, uh, the previous generation were, had more morning people than mm-hmm. late-night people. I mean, like, yeah, all of my You're friends. saying the Gen Xers were the morning people? Or the Xennials? Com- who are you talking com- about? Compared to the Millennials, who I I do not see... I'm a morning person. I prefer them getting up early in the morning. But a lot of times I find myself staying up later because all of my friends are late night people. Mm-hmm. There are very, very few people that I know that are in, like peers of mine that are, prefer the morning. Is it that or is it that they're just young? Young people stay up late. I think that's why people go to bed early. <laughs> yeah, but they're staying up late studying for the uh, and yeah, that's weird. For the, for those that are in the <laughs> workforce, it might uh, differ a little bit. But yeah. um, I didn't know millennials were in the workforce. Are they in the yeah. workforce? But everyone I know, uh, like at work too, that that are on the day shift, morning to afternoon shift, they hate waking up early. So 
um, there's that too. So there's a thing that the millennials are all entering into us. Uh, Positions of superiority in their workplaces now. Yeah, they Some are. Articles. What yeah. they're hitting there. Oh boy. Yeah. And, and superiority complex, or what do you mean? Well, that just comes with it. But they're getting they're getting promoted. They're becoming yeah. your boss. Mm. And then um, another thing was saying that there's a, they did a new survey, and the millennials now are the number one buyers of large SUVs and are beginning to buy large homes in the suburbs. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Right. So, so much for all those convictions, millennials. So much for that big point you just had. I have no idea what it was. It was really inspirational. I'm so bummed that you both missed it. Mm-hmm. So for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time and never listened to this podcast before, every time like a train Brian. goes by... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, w- I was actually going to mention that, and I'll mention it after this explanation of uh, what it means for a train to go by, and you hear it. Uh, when you hear a train go by, goes by... Thanks, Brian. Let's yeah. move on. Okay. Yeah, I know. This is no. going really well. <laughs> I've been up all night. So you talked about waking up really early, and you like slept in a little bit. You deserve it. You both deserve what you get coming to you. Uh, oh. <laughs> in, oh, well. in a positive way. Um, I'm, uh, did you, by the way, you, you both armed? are the pastors. I'm just a host that pretends... like I try to be like good, but I'm terrible. So, like I was saying, I've worked all night. been working all night. Man. And you can tell by my shirt, you, the, the viewers in Japan can see me, and yeah. no one else can. Just a bunch of inside jokes that people were listening to the podcast yeah. for the first time don't understand. Yeah, yeah. The train happens. That's fake. And it's you know, loud. a bunch of insider language nobody understands. Yep. Exactly. That's, what, mm-hmm. that's very, very true. Mm-hmm. So the train, whenever train goes by and you hear it, we assume that I'm making an inspirational uh, statement that's just the most profound thing you'll ever hear. But unfortunately, everyone missed it because the train went by. Pretty much. And so until I had the most imp- opportune time. Uh, speaking, I'm terrible at doing it, obviously, right now. But there was a point that I wanted to make. You had mentioned just now yes. the criticism of me. Of oh. you? Yes, I believe so. That was me, I think. Okay, then go ahead. Go with it. Well, me. I just said you don't listen to the podcast. Oh, yes, that, there you go. So yeah, you I both did that. a podcast for the first time without me. Yes. Uh, two weeks ago. Uh-huh. And it was amazing. I listened to it immediately <laughs> after it was posted. I, of course, I had to find out myself, even though that my one request for not texting me or calling me uh, to, you know, wake me up because I didn't work that night. I actually accidentally, my alarm didn't wake me up. I said, hey, let me know when it's posted. And no one did. I found out myself. And I listened to it. It was on it, Facebook. It was, it was, isn't that how you communicate with millennials? Yeah, but it, I didn't get a note. I don't get a notification, unfortunately. I know. I was very bummed. But Brian, I'm getting, ex- I'm, getting a, um, I'm getting a sense from you. <laughs> that, that, sense? <laughs> that maybe you've been hurt. That we need to apologize to you for not communicating oh, you, better. No, you don't need to not, apologize. I need to apologize for not being here. But I'm gonna project that. Like I'm gonna rather than being apologetic about that, I'm just gonna blame you both. Like the millennial I am. Well, we're uh, used to that. We're pastors. That's our lives. That's true. Right. <laughs> but uh, I know you're about to run through some uh, listeners slash viewers. Uh, information. I'm assuming you get busted out right now. Yeah, well, I just figure. Um, well, you know, you're explaining everything. I should. <laughs> yes, I apologize. I'm talking way too much, and I hate talking. The more I talk, the less likely I am going to listen. <laughs> because every time that I talk on the podcast, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I well, just cringeworthy. I'll tell you but, how far you need to skip ahead. When you tune into this podcast, skip ahead eight minutes. Eight minutes. It's what you do. And thank you, everyone, who's uh, <laughs> hanging with us so far. Goodness. Man, but, that's one-fifth of the time. 
But really quick, um, we are at Exo Coffee, and their food is delicious. Very they, good. Their sandwiches are served on barrio bread, which is a bread made right here in Tucson, Arizona. It's good. They, they're, they're good cooks, good people. Come out to Exo. We really like it here. We think you will, too. Um, we're up in the loft doing Faith Over Breakfast. And, and you don't get to be up here. This is special. This, yeah. is, this is the sponsored yeah. space. The sponsored space. And part of the reason is you will die on the stairs. Yes. Maybe. It's don't been, climb yeah, the stairs. Don't climb the stairs unless you sign a waiver. But, um, but, yeah, no, we're really thankful they've let us hang out up here. But um, really quick, just to before we jump into a couple topics, Eric, uh, our buddy here, and the village, his church, are doing a conference on discipleship, and it's coming up. And if you're here in Tucson, or in the world... In the world, in yeah, Japan. You are welcome to come out. So, Eric, tell us, give us some give us some, some details here. When, when is this? What is this? Why is this? Who is this? Oh, those, are, those are all good questions. Uh, I have no idea. So you just have to kind of figure it out, and then you can get to the conference. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it takes place on November 2nd through the 4th, in Tucson at the Village Building. If you go to thevillageconference2017.com, great inventive <laughs> 2017 is not spelled out. No, it's 2017.com. Um, you can register. Uh-huh. It's only $65. What? But there are scholarships even for that, so just register. We'll get you there. Send an email if you need help, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, it's a conference that really actually is just giving people an opportunity to experience the village Yeah. for two days straight, two and a half days straight, um, because a lot of people say the only way you can truly understand what our community has to offer is you just kind of have to immerse yourself in it a little bit and experience it so you can begin to ask questions about it because it's not stuff that you can just say all right here are the four steps to creating good disciples now go home and do that right so it's a conference based on on discipleship and how you create a community that is organically discipling one another and seeing lives be transformed so yeah that's kind of what we're doing you went last year uh, no, this is the first time, right? First village conference. Yes, yeah, first yeah. time we've ever done a conference. It's so, something that people have been asking us to do, think about doing. God's been kind of pushing on <laughs> me to do. And Eric, um, and we're going to get into this, like Christian events, events that churches have, mm-hmm. um, events that are specifically for Christians are things that Eric does not like. So the irony the irony now, folks. Listen to the, the irony. A, a guy who doesn't like conferences, who we just talked about recently, was at a conference and had a miserable time experience leading at the conference. <laughs> we talked and, about that. I, and yeah, probably, probably yeah. made a vow to the Lord, I will never do this again. And then his parents said, you shouldn't do that. If you make a vow, you, know, yeah. you better, 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 you better investigate that and renounce that. So if you... Tucsonans, some of you know what we're talking about. The, Eric's parents are counselors here. Um, that Eric is hosting a conference, so you know it's going to be very different. Different, the anti-conference. It's very much going to be the anti-conference. Yeah. So and so you spoke you, at a conference before, though. Yes. That you went to. That I yes. Went to and he to. also spoke yeah. at that conference. Yes. I think okay. I spoke. I was thinking about that. I think I spoke to to students. What What's the difference between? Uh, 
and I think, feel like we've actually gone through the, some of the differences before, but what are the differences between uh, speaking at a church on a Sunday versus speaking at a conference? Well, I tend to... Are there differences? Well, I would, in my definition, there are. Eric and I have discovered in, lately in podcasts that we have different definitions of things like preaching. Maybe when I say preach, I'm just kidding. We haven't discovered that one. But, but uh, biblical theology, we were talking about and realized we don't even... We have different definitions of this, this yes. term. So, in my definition, um, when I think of like the speaking that I would do in the church, it's, I'm thinking of it as preaching, and specifically preaching the Word. So I'm taking the Scripture, and I am trying to open it up so that people can understand it and apply it to their lives. If I'm in a conference or something, that might be where I would be teaching. Like, So I might unpack... You know, just just practical wisdom that that I have, or I would bring to the table. Not necessarily trying to be you know, perfectly faithful to a particular text of scripture, but I would maybe say, "Hey, from my understanding of the Bible, here's how I think we should do this, and here are the ways that we do it, or here's the way you know, let me teach you the way I do something." Or right. that's how I would think about it. How about you? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I would make. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think probably the difference for me is when you're preaching, speaking on a Sunday, um, you're talking about your community with whom you're shepherding. So that yeah. means you know the yeah. internal story. Whereas when you go to a conference, you have to assume some of the stories. You have to let the Holy Spirit tell you the stories. And yes, there's a little bit more instructional part of it. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just the, it's who you're speaking to changes the context of how you're speaking. Uh, I kind of probably have my foot in both worlds when I speak to my community. Sometimes it really is like I'm just a straight-up teacher that Sunday evening, and it's very practical. <clears throat> and, and when I'm preaching, there's more of an exhortation built into it and maybe a more following along the narrative of Scripture. So that would be the... I suspect that's probably the same for both of us. Yeah, I think I, I'm more more inclined... Well, yeah, essentially, yeah. I would say that, that I, I would tend to do all those things within one Sunday, like, bits and pieces, which is sure. why, you know, your buddy Rod says my sermons are too long. So that's <laughs> Awesome. So that is the Village Conference, villageconference2017.com. Yes. $65.00. Uh, but there's two and a half days. Yeah, two, two and a half, half days. days, and there are scholarships available too. So yeah. you can go on the website to find that. Yeah. Not not your typical conference. It's if you if you're thinking to yourself, as I am thinking every time I see that there's a conference coming, what I think is, why in the world would I want to go to another conference full of Christian leaders who they all think they know something, right? Right. And but I actually do want to go to the village conference, and I will because I know it's not going to be just another run of the mill people up there you know talking like they know it all right a small little secret he also is sitting on a panel so yeah <laughs> but that doesn't have anything to do with it if I didn't want to go he'd say no I would just or I would just show up for that <laughs> no I, no I'm really looking forward to it and I want people at our church to be there so if you're listening people in Tucson or the world or Mission Church yeah you should go you should go you yeah. be good and, we would uh, love to have you yeah you'll learn how to disciple are you going to be there, Brian? Uh, it depends. It does. Um, uh, 
a just lot of factors. A lot of factors. Okay. I'm uh, going to Korea, uh, eventually, so, mm-hmm. uh, and that's right around the time I'm leaving. Yeah. So, um, if I leave after, then I will definitely be gone. Okay. All right. But yeah, so... Now, we... Well, before we get into this, let's just do our little listener announcements, because oh. I think there's a little interesting thing. Oh. Today, total amount of podcasts listened to are six. Six. <laughs> Six. Like Nero from the Roman Empire, right? Whoa. Uh oh, he's, he's going down. to Korea. The Roman Empire has just been. Wait, what happened with all that? There was a doomsday. Oh, is that. Wait a minute, is that the 20. I thought that was the 23rd. Yeah, this was. Okay, we did not plan to talk about this, and we shouldn't. Maybe we should talk about it later. But there was there were articles coming out that said biblical literalists think the world's going to end. Can I just say? Can I just say, please? There have been so-called biblical literists saying the world is going to end since literally 40 years after Jesus, maybe sooner, okay? And they've always been like a small little minority. They've been this little group that somebody thinks the, the world's going to end, and then and then they've got a following. But I don't know that I would ever say that the majority of Christians have ever hopped onto one of these theories. Yeah, but this time it's actually happening. September 20th, you heard it here first. Oh, Brian. <laughs> I think we're going to have to fire our host. Yeah. Don't Brian, we're going to... We're, 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 transferring, like, we're transferring you to Korea. Good luck <laughs> Korea. I'll do a separate podcast. Yeah. But we are up to 72 listeners. I think we were at 80. But really what that means is that in a 90-day period, each podcast is expected to be listened to 72 times. Okay. So... Can I just say, from my angle, from my side of the table, I don't think the world's about to end, people. It's not. Well, I think it is, but I think oh, it's been great. ending well, since Jesus yeah, left. you so know what I mean. <laughs> it's one day closer to the end. That's so, how I look at it. So I guess every, everyone, in, right. everyone, including people who don't believe in Jesus, know the world's going to end, okay? Right, that's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. <laughs> every, it doesn't... Yeah, it, it's going to end. It's it's either going to end for a reason or not. Yes. Okay. So, but let's do I, blow up. Is it about to happen right now because of because some planets are aligned? No. Okay. It's there. I'm with it. you. We're well, that is that is what our sponsors believe. That's what we believe. <laughs> all of our sponsors. All of our sponsors. Yeah, that is on behalf of our sponsors, <laughs> who are nobody. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, yeah, we're looking, we just, for, we're we looking just for sponsors. Made the pool smaller by and, saying and we believe that, you know, a dollar per um, listener is for 90 days is oh, a yeah. good deal. So Ooh. I think if you want that that deal, we'll, I will give you a good five minutes on the show every yeah. every week. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and contact us at faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com or you can reach us. On at Facebook, you can come over. Yeah, <laughs> at our website move. too. That, uh, yeah, that's going up. It's yeah. Like, All right, I'm the one paying for it. I We're 20 minutes pay. deep, friends. Yes, I know. Let's get into it. We've had some good conversations so far. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad. I'm just glad to be here because I missed two weeks. But speaking of ways to spend our time before the world ends, I love music. I love going to concerts. Yes, so, you do. bam! That transition, though. You went to a concert this past weekend. Yeah, so here's what I wanted to here's what I wanted to talk. So I had this realization that you know there was there was a good little number of our people out this week because there were there were uh, shows in Phoenix. There were some shows, some, some concerts in Phoenix, and these concerts are were by people who are generally known to be 
connected to Christianity, some way, some way, shape, or form. They're either coming out of a church or they're part of a ministry. They're all very good acts. Okay, the rapper propaganda, King's Kaleidoscope, formerly of Mars Hill Church, and Josh Garrels, formerly of Mustache. Um, <laughs> right? Doesn't he have a, quite the mustache and the voice? Um, and uh, I didn't know about the mustache, but that sounds intriguing. I've, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've seen some pretty great mustache shots of, of Josh Garrels. So, so these are all guys. I I have been in church circles. These are people that people in church like to listen to. Okay, and they're if you're if you're in the church, but you're like you don't want to be listening to real churchy stuff. Then these are totally who you want to listen to because they're going to be a little more vague or a little more like propaganda is going to talk about. He's going to talk about you know touchy social issues with a lot of clarity, and he does a great job with that and and stuff like that. So. But, but still, very much, if you are not in Christian circles, I'm just saying, you probably don't follow these people. Am I right? Yes. Okay. So so there were, so that brought to, to my mind, because it was over this past weekend, I was thinking about what some of our people did. They went to King's Kaleidoscope. Some of them did a whole thing where they went to all of it. Josh Garrell's King's Kaleidoscope propaganda all in one trip. Did you go to any of those? I did not, because... I was going to Modest Mouse as pastor of Mission Church and were, Jerry Seinfeld. Were so, all these people in Phoenix? All in Phoenix. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's where yeah. one of my peoples was. Yeah, yeah. There were people were missing right, <laughs> from churches all throughout the city. So, um, but but then it, it just kind of struck me. I kind of laughed at one point because I went, man. So I'm the pastor. So I'm supposed to be. I'm the. I'm the. You know. The, I'm the Christian guy, but I'm drinking a beer with my buddy at Modest Mouse, and my friends are in Phoenix with Christians, right? And I'm like, "You're so cool." Aren't I edgy? <laughs> yeah, no. you're edgy. But here's the thing: wasn't trying to be. Just got invited to Modest Mouse by a friend, so I went. And uh, and Jerry Seinfeld, I just think is funny. So I so wish I knew about Seinfeld, dude. You do. You do wish you knew. It was you would love it. Yeah, seriously. If you knew that, so. I would want to. <laughs> Why didn't you invite me? Because it was this my is birthday gift for my wife, so that probably would, yeah. wasn't the moment to invite. That's a pretty big setup to talk about secular and sacred, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking so. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Is that what you want to get into? <laughs> no, we get into. Let's just get a sacred secular. So, so here's so it, yeah. It made me think. It made me think about my life because I was I was a guy who did. It, I had periods of time where I would do Christian stuff. Mm. And then there were periods in my life where I was like, I don't want to do just Christian stuff. I just want to go to things because they're good. Um, and then, anyway, it's funny. At this point in my life, I, I virtually never listen to Christian music nor go to, like, Christian events. But I love church, and I'm very involved in church. Mm. Anyway, made me just think about that and how you guys feel about those things doing christian things as you know why why do we do that why do christians do christian things i've done it i've had whole periods of my life where i've done it have you done it here did you ever have a period of your life where you're doing real christian stuff you mean going to christian concerts and going to christian conferences and going to youth camps well maybe you just invested in just the christian culture i did all of that yeah um, because I grew up in it. Yeah, um, yes. Absolutely. And what I found was that I was trained in a language uh-huh. um, that then most of my friends who weren't followers of Jesus had no clue. Did you ever talk to your friends about music and 
you know, you're yeah. talking about like your favorite bands and you're listing off these like Christian Well, I, never, I, I learned very quickly that I don't yeah. list those off. I you have just, to figure out what yeah. they like and, and, and change. act like, yeah, like that. Because I knew it or something, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it was very... It's like back in the day, if you were, if you know, you're talking to people like, oh, what do you listen to? Like, DC Talk. You know? Oh, yeah. No, I've, and they're just I've, like, I've seen huh? DC Talk live, and I, you yeah. know, it's all this. Yes. And if you went to Gospel Supplies when uh-huh. I was a kid, yeah. they had a list of uh, all the yes. secular bands. And here's and the Christian all Christian equivalent. I know. Equivalents. I, so, I actually worked there. And yes. I got to answer, I would always get parents in, hey, my kid listens to Limp Biscuit. You know, what can I do? Is there an alternative? And there was. There was one band, exactly one band, tailor-made to sound sort of like Limp Bizkit, just not as good, right? (laughs) (laughs) And we would, you know, I am ashamed to say, (laughs) send that lady home with it. Yeah. And uh, And then eventually I got a little, like, rebellious against that, and I wanted to, like... Just be like, no, this this band that does happen to be, you know, the members are Christians, but they just are good. They're de- they don't sound like Limp Bizkit, man, mm. but they're just good. And, like, this would actually be good music that your kid could enjoy and mm. tell his friends about. And that sometimes worked, sometimes didn't. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I think it's part of the vestiges of being a Protestant mm. is that we... Alternatives. Our art, yeah, our art kind of is... It never has been good. I mean, Protestant art is not well, Protestant historically good because they we rejected it all art. out. Yeah. Yes, so we've we've kind History of resisted Reformation era. Yeah, yeah, we've resisted the dialogue with artists until maybe the last twenty five years, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and so I think it's we're wrestling with that. I, I would say, and this is my opinion, that musically and even in most of the arts that we. Were uh, it's bad. It's not yeah, good. No, it's not good music. It's not good because it's not that there isn't good musicians. It's not that it's good, not good painters or sculptors. But we've kind of conditioned people to to not push the edges, not force people to ask questions. Um, we have a culture of musical worship that has very defined boundaries in it. So makes it difficult to understand how to be an artist within the context of following Jesus. Now, interestingly, these groups that were just in Phoenix, like King's Kaleidoscope, Propaganda, and Josh Girls, may all actually be good music. I would venture. I don't know. Brian, Millennial, how do you feel about that? I, I actually, interestingly, think that that is changing. So I, then I wonder how that affects, because I think these guys are actually like making stuff that, I mean, I don't in the rap world I don't know of any when I'm thinking of rappers like propaganda stands out to me as just unique in general like what he does I don't think anybody I don't think he's mimicking anybody and he's doing really good stuff I don't King's Kaleidoscope I haven't followed as much but I get that like I, I have friends that just like music in general and they're actually like respect them Josh Garrels you know if you want Portlandy soulful melodies coming you know flowing from under a mustache he, he can <laughs> Yeah, it, I think lyrically is you know, and chord use and those kinds of things are, are changing. Uh huh. You know. So thematically, though, you're not so sure. Well, I mean, I, I think it's. I think your original question is 
I, my friends are going to this or my church people and I'm at this and what's sacred and what's secular and how do we operate in, in that world and, and there's all these Christian culture. Should Christians be in Christian stuff or should they be just where everybody else is? Well, I kind of view it like vegetarians mm-hmm. and paleo people and regular people or fast food eaters. Regular people. Vegetarians, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the sense that people eat anything, anywhere, all the time. Yeah. They don't care about their diet. They think McDonald's yeah. is good once a week. They think, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken is the best. Those kinds of things. And that's fine. Um, but I see that in the way that we understand our culture. Like, if you choose to be a vegetarian, a true vegetarian, you're choosing to go without certain things that are good and tasty for a particular culture. And if you do it in a way where you're not judgmental and you're not saying, hey, everybody has to be this way. Right. So this is a healthy choice. This is a healthy that choice. That I'm going to, I'm going to utilize and not right. hold it over other people's heads. And in the church, I think people, the equivalent to that is people who say, look, like, I'm not going to partake in King's Kaleidoscope. I'm not going to do the normal church worship thing. Partly because um, I just lost my train of thought due to the fact that my co-pastor's calling me, but but yeah. partly because they want to dr- create a new culture and a new way of doing things, and they want that to be an example. Yeah. I think, like, you could, the people who are, like, paleo people, right, the people who are into their protein, they don't want their carbohydrates, they have a particular way of eating, you know, they eat a lot of meat, that kind of thing. Those people are the people, they're the King's Kaleidoscope people, they're the people, like, that's good music, it's good art, we're engaging in that, we're not... We're, we're keeping our, our. We want to be healthy in the way we're thinking about things. Yeah. And then I think, and here's the thing: is we Christian culture itself, the conferences, the, the experiential right. stuff. That's a lot of that's like, hey, let's go to McDonald's. You know, let's eat Chris Tomlin over and over again. Let's eat Jesus culture over and over again. Instead of like, hey, like okay, that's good. Let's once in a while, but we need to kind of think about how we're. Processing through this. I just, I just oh. want to note that Eric has just compared Chris Tomlin to to a, uh, you know, I don't know, what's the quarter pounder with cheese? Yes. Every time <laughs> I walk by McDonald's and smell it, I want to go in there and eat. Every time I hear Chris Tomlin play, I want to go. You do? Yes, I have that. I feel the same kind of chemical wash I get when smelling wow. french fries. Wow. It's the same deal. Wow. Okay. Would right. you say that? Christian culture has done more harm or good for the gospel message. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, where I'm actually at on some of that stuff these days, I look back on my life at certain points, and I see like when I was engaged in some of those like, where it was like, I want to be at all the, the Christian events. I'm not I'm not actually saying like, I'm not looking back at that and going like, wow, what an idiot I was, and what a fool these people are today. That's not what I'm saying. I actually at that time for some reason like I needed I just needed a lot of reinforcement like it was and you know so that well, I don't look back at that point in my life and think that's when I was strong I look back and think I was weak and and I actually don't think it would have been good for me to be out at my favorite group's you know concert at the time you know like I think that I would have just fully participated in everything every every thought, every impulse, you know, as much as I would have loved. And I'm talking about, like, stuff that, you know, just regular marketplace music and events that I think I, I would have gone out and I couldn't have, 
you know, parsed out what 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 can I participate in, what can I not. I just would have full fledged, you know, everything what they were doing. So that the sheltering that the Christian subculture provided was in a way something I needed, but it wasn't because I was strong. It was because I was weak. Um, and I'm not saying I'm like not weak now. I mean, there were actually, I think, you know, over the weekend, like there were, there were a couple, you know, Seinfeld jokes that made me laugh that I went, Oh wait, what's that about? Like, most of it was just genuinely funny, but, but a couple things where I'm like, oh man, that's sort of like a degrading thing toward women. I just laughed at, you know, that, but he also makes those jokes to kind of expose people versus meaning them necessarily. So there was that, but, um, but anyway, yeah, I look back and I see myself, but I, but I kind of needed that. And then like when I, like at the Modest Mouse show, I mean, there were, I was looking around at people who were just wholesale like you know singing out the words and you know and you know a lot of intoxication and, no it's a worship and experience it, it really i mean people hand were hands in the air there was one lady who was she was like doing this like summoning motion like she was using her hands to like bring the music toward her yeah and it was very interesting to watch because i you know and the, and the great thing about like modest mouse is that everything the guy is saying you know like when he would talk in between songs is like utterly ridiculous and unintelligible i mean he you're like you're insane this guy's but but we're you know culturally just drinking whatever like you're an amazing musician whatever you say like just yeah. fill me up yeah and so i was able to see that and kind of look at that and go wow that's interesting you know but then at the same time enjoy the i mean they, they were multi-instrumentalists amazing music you know and just go like wow that's talent and really enjoy it but at the same time not wholesale take part yeah. in every part of it so that's where but I don't think I was always there. So I don't think I should have been at shows like that at certain points in my life. Right. But, um, and, and even today I would say like, I would need to be careful. Like just, you know, if I were just like, I don't know, knowing my own heart in those situations, like what is, what is this? What am I worshiping? Um, but, but I would, I would view it as like God's good work in me that I can go to like, to see modest mouse and not, feel compromised I just had a good time well I, I think what I think when you train disciples and this is the thing I have trouble with in, in the Christian culture even when yeah. you're talking about sheltering is that we don't yeah. train people to think critically <laughs> no. so we don't train people to understand where the gospel is appearing in Modest Mouse and oh. where the enemy is appearing and yeah. how to have that dialogue with yes. people and, and explain things to them yeah. a lot of times and, and when we do say hey we're going to we're going to do this. We're going to be missionaries in the world and we're going to be able to dialogue with their art. A lot of times what we're saying is, oh, I just like this and so I want to go to it and enjoy it instead of saying, no, no, I need to fully know this so that I, like Paul on Mars Hill, can can articulate where God is speaking in the context of the culture. And I also think the only way you can do that is being able to to create your own culture that deals with pain and struggle and joy. And, 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 and here you're talking about the church. Yes. Yeah. So when the church can have a rich culture that's dialoguing with mm-hmm. the world about grief, pain, and joy, um, and not protecting itself from it, like I think yeah. a lot of times Christian culture wants to protect itself from the big questions because yeah. we're afraid our kids will drift off or not understand or 
um, get confused. And so we got to nail their worldview down. We got to get them, you know, on their talking points instead of actually helping them understand what pain is and how Jesus speaks to pain and how we can wrestle with that without always having all the answers. Yeah, because if you if you listen to Modest Mouse, you're going to hear a lot of pain and struggle. Right. And so you're right, though. There's a lot of people that I know who are just like, I'm sick of being sheltered. I want to be like a missionary. I don't know how many times I've heard younger people talk about they're going to be a missionary or on a mission out in the world or out as a re- recording artist to some people I knew. And they went out and what they did was they were not a missionary. They just were, they just partook of it. They just, right. they proved to be, kind of be in the same boat. Right. And, um, and that's, that's very different. And, you know, if that's where you're at, then that's where you're at. But don't call yourself a missionary until you're able to really parse it out, stand in the midst of it and say like, you know, this is, that is very true what you say. But this, but you need this, and you must see this, and really have that dialogue with with folks. Yeah, I was thinking the same of, I mean, especially Jerry Seinfeld actually, because he it was social commentary. It was it was ingenious social commentary. I mean, he had us all laughing our heads off as we admitted our just utter depravity. Is what I saw. I mean, he was everything from how we view our wives to how we. You know how technology rules our lives to how we do things. I mean, the whole he made fun of us all for being there. He basically was like, "Why are you here? Like, why am I here?" He's like, "Do you know why? Because we don't have anything to do that matters." And so you go out to see Jerry. And why am I here? Because I got nothing better to do. And he, it was, it was, and we're laughing, but it's like, oh my gosh, like he's exposing us that we keep ourselves extremely busy doing stuff that doesn't really matter so that we can feel like we do something that matters and he took he basically just pulled the rug out and said no it doesn't none of this matters at all that was it was ingenious he exposed it i mean i don't know of very many church services where i felt that exposed but what i didn't what he didn't offer there was no solution there was no hope there just nothing you know and so i'm and there was, was actually probably no grief no, so you weren't yeah, there to no, grieve that no, condition. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And I think that's like... Just laugh at it. Yeah. Just go, oh, oh, shoot, it's all me. It all amounts to nothing in the end. Right. Well, it's nihilism. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. I won't worry my life away. Yeah. It is. It is. And that's and that's where Modest Mouse is coming from. And that's, you know, and, and where does that lead? Oh, man. You know, that leads to just, you just partake and partake right. and eat, drink and die, right? Well, I think that's my problem. I think the... Cr- Christian church, the Protestant, I think we do understand some level of joy and yeah. some level of hope when we communicate things, but we never say, we never grieve. Mm-hmm. And the the death of Jesus, I mean, it says we're healed by his wounds, not we're healed by some pleasant thing that happened 2,000 years ago. It's his wounds. That's yeah. grief. Yeah. Like, there's a sadness. Like, when I sin and have sinned, there's a death in me. I died. And Jesus had to die to, to save me. And so I need to be able to grieve with people in our death because then the resurrection means everything. And, and what, hope and, and and what I'm uh, what I'm preaching on this next Sunday is you know, grieving the spirit of God, which is this idea that as a believer, you know, that you you know, you can actually that there's an emotional exchange between you and God and that you know that that pain that Jesus felt, the pain that we felt, like, as we walk along and stumble and 
and fail and rebel and you know and don't love Jesus as we should and don't you know a whole a whole and we're just broken and we miss miss things that there's an ongoing grief that that happens in the walk of Christianity it's not just you know joy and snowballs and lollipops right yes so kind of what I hear you saying is nobody or very few people I mean if if you're in the Christian bubble or you're or you're just out and about yeah there's no grieving no. in either one and what we need we need to be grieving mm-hmm. and that's what's wrong with the Christian bubble and that's maybe that's what could bring people together yes for those that find themselves not grieving what would that look like for them to start maybe in practical ways to like pursue that like you know that, that's probably something that I need where do I start with that yeah well I, I think we're supposed to take lead on that as followers of Jesus and I think that's the problem with Christian art is that we haven't begun to practice that because we don't have a Christian imagination. We don't actually, we don't imagine that our sin, like visualize how deadly it is. Yeah. And we do not visualize a Christ or Jesus on the cross that the physical wounds and the, the place where Jesus feels abandoned is my murder of him and my own dying. And like, so we have to like, we have to visualize ourselves there. We have to talk about it. We have to say like, like we have to understand that when we sin, we hurt someone. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, it's cool. Okay. And uh, and when we when we do that when we're, we're visualizing those things we have to um, we have to understand the pain that it yeah. causes others and really taste that yeah. and, and, and cry over it. We have to weep. We have to have times of just weeping over what what it is. And also, you know, when you're talking and then there's noise, you have to keep <laughs> on your train of thought. I hate that when I'm speaking. I mean, oh yeah. Do you, know, you, do you do well? Here's a here's a random question. Geez. Do you do well with like kids? We have lots like, of them. You have lots of them. Uh, but like mid sermon, like you got a kid wandering around, like coming up to the front, and <laughs> like how do you do with that sort of thing? Oh man, well, does we, it derail your crying babies? Will just start screaming in yeah. the middle. Of, yeah, you know, right when you're making a good yeah. point, and baby screaming, you're like. I try to dialogue with the baby. Yeah. I've had kids Acknowledge the kid, yeah. I, I saw one pastor of a small church. He shot a picture of himself. The kid walked all the way to the front, started talking to him. He just yeah. picked up the kid and kept on preaching. And so, like, for the rest of the sermon, he was just holding <laughs> the baby while he talked. <coughs> and the genius. kid was just sitting there. I, I love, I love having having kids in the service but just to be honest like as I love it I believe in it but it is really hard for me it changed my preaching yeah yeah it's it's something that not not like kids but I mean like but a kid who is not kind yeah. of sitting still yeah and, or wandering around or yeah totally yeah. yeah you would have loved me <laughs> yeah oh yeah I'm sure I would have loved myself but it no it's I, I'm not against it but it just I struggle with my train of thought Anyway, um, yeah, like I just did. I, I thought I was making a good point. I'm surprised the train didn't drive by. Isn't that weird? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I was uh, to your question, Brian. I was going to say, like, I think that the big the struggle is like, and, and in Christian culture, the way it works is you feel grief or you feel like guilt right. or you feel shame, right? And then what you want to do is what we tend to want to do is like mitigate it like, mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, like like kind of like just like medicate it with something like okay is there a bible verse i can just believe right now that gets rid of this Mm -hmm. or can i do a quick confession of it that makes it go away you know or whatever and uh, those all seem good because you're supposed to believe the bible and you're supposed to confess your sins one to another but you know i just don't i don't think that that's gonna that's gonna do it and then i think if you're if you're you know, if you don't have a, a faith paradigm by which, you know, there's hope and forgiveness, I assume you, from what I've seen, you minimize it. Mm-hmm. And, and Christians do this too. Um, I'm saying, you know, you can be outside of the faith or have a faith that doesn't really have a robust view of, of forgiveness. Um, you you kind of go, well, that uh, what I that's just normal. Everybody does that. That wasn't such a big deal. Or I don't do it that much, and so it's really not that big of a thing. You feel something. You feel guilt, shame, but then you kind of cover it with like, okay it's no it's really not that i'm okay i'm okay okay you know i think i'm good um i'm a pretty good person uh, overall i'm pretty good and all those methods don't lead to grieving and that all stuffs it down honestly and it's going to come back it's going to come back um and so the thing that's hard to do and can, i think you can only do it when you have deep hope is to actually like when you feel it like engage in the grieving like right. like like i think your parents would say something like sit in it, sit in it. Sit in. like be there with Je- like Jesus is you know what what we're getting in the scriptures I mean I, I love just Psalm 23 you know in the valley of the shadow of death right Where, where's where's Jesus most present in the psalm in the valley of the shadow right. of death like when you're that's that's grief fear pain struggle and then then the psalmist is saying when I'm when I'm in that place that's when I have this awareness of your presence with right. me and your protection over me and like essentially what the psalmist is saying is like that's where I came to know you the most right and there's this idea of like a journey like a valley of the shadow I mean that's not just a quick moment that's like a journey with Jesus so you know what what we have to do is kind of renounce that gut instinct just like cover it up and mitigate it make it go away and actually spend time there with God and if you don't and if, if God you know, if you don't see that hope in God, if you don't see that you can be forgiven if it's your fault or that there's hope and protection when it's not your fault, you know, then that's a terrifying thing to do. Yeah. Well, I think, like, just go on with what you're saying, like, you know, move a few psalms later in Psalm yeah. 32 where he's talking about the weight of his sin and the weight of his iniquity on yeah. him Yeah. until there's that confession. Yeah. And it's really a, a movement from pride to humility. Like, and I think that's... Where, why it's hard for us to grieve because you have to be humbled to grieve. Right. You can't be proud. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we talk in our culture a lot about forgiving ourselves, but humans can't forgive themselves because they didn't create themselves, and they didn't sin against themselves. Yes. Well. Yeah, primarily. I mean, they, yeah, they're not they, primarily sinning yeah. against themselves. It's it's God and others. So. Right. And so yeah. we look, I mean, we took the mirror, and we're, instead of looking at Jesus or looking at God and bearing his image, we're looking at ourselves and trying to bear our own image, and we're looking at ourselves saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. And, but all we see is this horrible, ugly person in the mirror. You can't forgive yourself. You have to have 
God's forgiveness, which requires humility because you say, I sinned against you. And, and, and David figures that out. It's like, I sinned alone against you. Not, yeah. not like my iniquity is against you. Yeah. And you alone. And that's, that's, that's how we grieve, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you might return to that grief over yeah. and over. Yeah. And that's, and we're, we're terrified of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually like doing that is where healing happens. Like doing that is where we get to know Jesus. Doing that is where he applies the, his work on the cross, his healing, um, to us most deeply, um, is, is in our grieving, our grieving the state of the world, which is because of sin. Sorry, Brian, is there something you're going to say? Um, well. or, 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 as you know, or, uh, or grieving our, the truth about ourselves. It must be your turn. Yep. <laughs> well, I want to say that I know losing our train of thought, uh, the point that you did make earlier was like, I know that you were concerned that it, you lost on the train of thought. I thought it was a great point. Um, in response to my question to yours as well. Do you have your own personal ways of processing grief? Yeah. Deep, deep, long pause. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for me, like, I feel like a lot of my grief over my own brokenness has, is in the body of Christ. Like, yeah. I talked on Sunday, you know, the, the verse that says that there's no temptation um, that God's given us that's not common to man, but he's faithful and he, del- he can deliver us, and that's Eric's, you know, paraphrase. But I, I think the church is the way of escape. That verse says there's going to be, he provides a way of escape. And the community of God has to be the place of grief. Yeah. Like, I think we talked about this early on in the very first podcast, but like, we, I, I can't grieve until I see the community of God weighed down by its own sin. Like I, I want, I'm inspired and compelled to join the spirit of God's movement in a community. And so, you know, that's that's where I find the opportunity to just to feel the weightiness, to be inspired, to repent, to see how my sin has actually impacted people, how I'm not offering myself because of my own pride and selfishness. Yeah, so that's where I, I'm at. It's like I, I believe in the church. More. Yeah, and I do too. And, and, it's, and that doesn't mean I don't have a private time, but it's when I'm alone, I can be overwhelmed by my own darkness. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like our, the church's job is to call me out of the darkness, to say, this is the light. Come stand with us in the light. And a lot of times that's us saying, wow, the darkness is so dark. You know, and, and to be able to just sit in that and then rejoice in what God's done yeah. and how he's transforming us. Yeah, I agree that it can't happen outside the church. And there's there's so, you know, I don't know. There, It's a weird time. I mean, I think younger, older people are not going to church because you can just listen to Christian stuff, you know, speaking of doing Christian stuff. But you can, you know, my, my own parents are, they only, they go to church on television. And, I, and I've told them, I said, that's, that's not church. You, know, you guys need people in your lives, and they and they talk about how lonely they are, right? And you know, I I, I just think they're missing that that um, the element of deep community. Um, 
and uh, and then I know a lot of younger people too. I mean, you can just podcast church all day long. Um, but yeah, within the church, hearing other people's stories has been so huge for me to like understand my own. Um, and then when you're when you're sharing your story with other people, like who you've built, there's trust and there's a common faith. Um, that that just the mutual give and take of that, like here's who I am, here's who I am, here's the truth about me. You know, it's um, it, it's just like nothing else, I and mean, you just can't. You, you don't find that by yourself. You don't. No podcast will ever give it to you. It's got to be life on life. Depth of depth of knowing, depth of friendship, depth of trust to where you can, you know. I love that they're as as pastor. And there was recently a, you know, right before a counseling session, you know, somebody in our church, you know, really invited me to repent of something. Basically, you know, that you know. So here I am. I'm I'm the pastor. I'm I'm here to help. But then I'm being helped, and it's like that's the only way. That's the only way. It's like we're ministers to one another, like back and forth all the time. And, and you ha- and you can't do that with me unless you know me, right? And that's the same with everybody else in the church. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that's huge. And some of it happens alone. I think you have those feelings within yourself, but then you you don't just deal with it. I think you bring it out. That's like walking in the light. Doesn't mean. I'm being I'm being real righteous. Walking the light is like I'm exposed. The truth the truth is exposed, and yeah. then God can heal me. Yeah. Nice. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Um, that's a great conversation. I really appreciate you both sitting down with me again, as we try to do every week. Uh, we missed two weeks, but it's been real, it's really nice being back. Uh, so I want to add before we go close it out yeah. that I feel like. Not only hearing it word of mouth, but also experiencing both of your churches. That I feel like they're both great places to be, to experience joy and grief uh, and everything I feel like the church needs to be in the community. So, uh, yeah, I thank you so much for sitting with me. That was uh, Pastor Andy Littleton uh, from Mission Church, Pastor Eric Siepen from the Village Church. Uh, this is Faithful Breakfast at Exo Coffee. Have a wonderful day.